let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. On May 13, 2017, John Henry Barrett died in a hospital near his home in Florida, USA. When the doctors who treated him signed his death certificate, they listed the cause of death as complications from a bullet wound. You see, John Henry Barrett had been in a fight and had been shot, and the bullet wound had entered and caused him to eventually die. But the funny thing is, the gunshot didn't kill him immediately. John Henry Barrett was not shot the day he died. He was not shot the week that he died. He was not even shot the year that he died. Surprisingly, John Henry Barrett was shot way back in 1958, 59 years before he died. John Henry Barrett survived a gunshot wound for 59 years, but eventually the complications from the wound killed him. How is that possible? Well, you see, when John Henry Barrett was shot in 1958 and went to the hospital, the doctors examined him and determined that he would be better off if they left the bullet inside of him. And for many years, it seemed like they'd made the right decision. But the bullet wound never fully healed. Over time, the deadly consequences from the bullet escalated, and eventually the bullet fired in 1958 killed John Henry Barrett in 2017. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the tragic but true story of John Henry Barrett. But you see, the fact is all of us have been wounded. All of us have faced wounds from words that were spoken or actions that were done or things that have affected and impacted us. And most of us, we just brush them aside and we think that time will heal the hurt. But when we don't deal with how we feel, the complications from wounds from our past will eventually catch up to us. If we don't deal with how we feel, complications from past wounds will complicate present relationships. And the hurt inside of you will eventually fester and lead to death. That's why in order to experience relationship rescue, you have to start with your heart. In order to get your relationships back on track, you have to get back to you. So how can we heal from past wounds? How can we recover and prevent complications from destroying our relationships? Well, that's what we're going to discover in our sermon titled, Back to You. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you for your presence and for your peace. Thank you that you love us just as we are. You see us and you desire to be with us and relate to us. Today, I ask that that love will come and heal us, that you will soak over us and fill us with your presence, that all the past wounds will be dealt with so that as we relate to you, we will be able to relate to others. We submit to you now. 
We bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to come and enlighten our hearts and minds, heal us from the complications of the past, and to rescue our relationships for your glory and honor. We thank you now by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome to Agape House. It's great to have you here today. We're in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. God is doing something new in our lives. He's rescuing our relationships. He's resetting us, reviving us, and restoring us. If you believe it, say amen. And I declare to you today, every shackle in your life is broken through the name of Jesus Christ. Every relationship is being healed. And God is coming down in his presence to come and give us restoration and renewal and revival. If you believe it, shout amen. Well, you picked a great weekend to be at Agape House as we're in week two of our sermon series called Relationship Rescue. Everybody say Relationship Rescue. If your relationships need a lifeline, then you've come to the right place. We're here to help discover all of God's truth that will give us hope and healing and happiness in all the relationships of our lives. Throughout this month, we're focusing on relationship rescue. We began last week with the sermon, Back to the Basics, and we looked at the very first human relationship, Adam and Eve. And surprisingly, even though Adam and Eve lived in paradise, they had everything they needed. Their relationship ran into trouble and they needed relationship rescue. If you missed that message, I urge you to run. Everybody say run. Run to the resource center after service. Get the CD, get the pen drive, buy one for your friend because that message is foundational that will guide us all the way through the rest of this month. Now today our sermon is titled Back to You. Tell your neighbor back to you. And we're going to look at the internal issues inside every single one of us that need to be addressed in order to rescue our relationships. And to help us learn the truth for today, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin. If you're watching online, you can get these downloaded for free from our website and our social media pages. I urge you to take out your notes, follow along with me, and let's discover three things you can do today to begin to candle your emotions and rescue your relationships. And there at the top of your notes and the screen ahead of you is our scripture text for today. I want to ask everybody to join your voice with mine. Let's read the word of God with faith and power today. Are you ready? Going to read it out loud. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. 
I think these words are for each and every one of us. In fact, I believe these words apply to everyone in the world today. You see, whether you have good relationships or bad ones, whether your life is simple or complex, we all need to learn how to be at peace with other people. You cannot go through life without relating to other people. And the fact is, the more peaceful your relationships are, the more peaceful your life will be. For the fact is, the quality of your life is only as good as the quality of your relationships. If you have everything that this life can offer and you're living in luxury, but there's war in your relationships, then you won't have peace. Your life will be miserable. And even if you have great relationships with most people, if there's one or two or three people that you're at war with, then even those few bad relationships can affect the quality and peace of your entire life. And that's why this series is for everyone, whether you have one relationship that needs rescue or whether every single relationship in your life needs rescue, we need God's truth. And by God's grace, we're going to see how to get peace with everyone. So where do we begin? Well, our scripture text for today says it begins with you. Tell your neighbor it begins with you. See, listen again to Romans 12, 18. It says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Because before you learn to relate to others, you have to learn to relate to yourself. Now, I understand that the problem is not completely with you. When the Bible says, as far as it depends on you, it means that it's not entirely up to you. There are some times and some relationships when there's nothing more that you can do, but you is a good place to start. So today, let's look at the things inside of you, the internal issues that are hindering you from making the right connections in your relationships. For the true measure of your life is not what you have outwardly, but what's going on inside of you. Just like John Henry Barrett seemed healthy on the outside and looked good on the outside, internally, a wound was eating away at him and eventually brought him death. And that's how it is with us. If you've got a wound inside of you from your past, if there's something said to you or done to you that's still eating away at you, it will eventually bring you death. You might have the right car, the right phone, the right house, the right job. You're perfect in weight, perfect in your BP, perfect in your makeup, perfect in your haircut. Everything is perfect, but if your emotions are in turmoil, you will never have peace. And the reason is this. Your emotions directly affect your relationships far more than anything external. Not Nothing complicates relationships as much as emotions. Toxic emotions produce toxic relationships. Complicated emotions produce complicated relationships. So if you want better relationships, you need to consider the internal emotions that are affecting your relationships. You need to look at the heart issues. If you want to have peace with others, you have to learn to use your emotions to build relationships, not use your emotions to destroy them. So today, let's discover three things you can do about your emotions to rescue your relationships. And here's the first thing, control your emotions. Everybody say, control your emotions. 
Listen again to how our text begins. In verse 18, God says, live at peace with everyone. And then immediately after that, in 19, he says, do not take revenge. Now, what is God actually telling us? Well, revenge is an emotional-driven response to a hurt. And so here's what God's saying. In order to live at peace with everyone, you have to control your emotions. Revenge is an emotion-driven response, and in order to live at peace, you have to control it. God first addresses your emotions when he tells you to live at peace because emotions will hinder peace if you don't control them. Now understand today that emotions are not right or wrong. Even some of the emotions that we consider to be bad are not actually bad of themselves. They're not inherently bad. For example, we often think that anger is a bad emotion. But the Bible doesn't condemn anger. It talks about what you do with anger that makes the difference. Listen to Ephesians 4. When you are angry, don't let that anger make you sin. In other words, you could be angry but not sin. Don't let that anger make you sin and don't stay angry all day. Don't give the devil a way to defeat you. We all have emotions. Many of us feel anger. The Bible is not condemning anger. It's saying that if you use it properly, it can be a catalyst for change. If you misuse anger, then it becomes sin. We all have emotions. Has anybody in here ever gotten angry? I've gotten angry. I think I was angry this morning about something. But it's not a sin when you control it and let God take over. How you choose to control your emotions will affect your relationships. That's the lesson we can learn from what is likely the shortest marriage in history. Just back in January of 2019, a bride and groom went to the marriage court in Kuwait to be joined together. Just after they'd signed the marriage certificate in front of the marriage judge, as they were turning to leave the court, the bride tripped. According to QB News, the groom began to mock her as being clumsy. He even called her stupid. Well, the bride got so angry, she turned right around and went back to the judge who had just married her and demanded a divorce. The marriage lasted three minutes. Hey! (laughs) Three minutes! Tell your neighbor, three minutes! Because the bride could not control her anger and it became sin. See, it's interesting that God says, when you get angry, not if you get angry. God knows that emotions are a part of life and we're all going to experience emotions every day. Some days you're going to feel angry. You may be surprised to hear this, but the Bible even tells us that God himself has emotions. Listen to Genesis 6.6. The Lord was sorry that he had made people on the earth. It made him Very sad in his heart. Then in Mark 3, 5, Jesus looked at the people. He was angry, but he felt very sad because they were so stubborn. Then in Luke 19, 41, the Bible says, Jesus saw Jerusalem and wept over it. So God himself has emotions. He made you in his image. He knows you have emotions. He knows that they affect your relationships, and he cares about how you feel. For Psalm 34, 18 said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And if you're brokenhearted, God is near to you today. He's coming to deliver you. He's coming to heal you. He's coming to rescue you when your relationships are crushed. 
In Psalm 147.3, the Bible says God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. And I proclaim healing and life and health to your wounds today in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. God cares about your emotions. He knows that your emotions are necessary for connected relationships. But the fact is, the more you care, the more deeply you feel. Emotions reveal what you care about. And listen to me carefully. When a marriage gets to the place where people don't care anymore, that marriage is dead. When a relationship gets to the place where no one cares, it's in serious trouble. I'm going out. I don't care. I'll call you later. I don't care. In fact, here's something to remember. When your partner gets angry at you, when your partner gets emotional with you, that's not good. That's not right. But remember, that emotion is a sign that your partner cares. If they weren't agitated, it would mean they don't care. When you stop caring, the relationship dies. That's why the difference between casual relationships and connected relationships are emotions. Casual relationships are based only on conduct. I have no emotional connection with my Uber driver. Somebody say amen. Our relationship is casual. It's transactional. You drive, I pay. And it's governed by conduct. You get me safely to my destination, and I promise I won't destroy your car. It's a casual relationship governed by conduct. But connected relationships are governed not only by conduct, but also by emotion. The more connected you are, the more emotions are involved. And the more emotions are involved, the more complicated the relationship becomes. That's why our most connected relationships are our most complicated. If my son misbehaves, he's still my son. I cannot give him a bad rating on the app and get rid of him. Hello. That's why those we love the most can hurt us the most. If a madman on Lagos Avenue insults me, I shrug my shoulders and move on. If a pasta in Kumasi I never met insults me, I pray for him. If Reverend Prince insults me, God forbid he wouldn't do that. I will get very upset. If someone in my family insults me, I will cry. And that's why we must control our emotions, especially in our connected relationships. To succeed at connected relationships, you must monitor not only your conduct, but also your emotions. That's why Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool expresses all his emotions, but a wise person controls them. So here's the truth about emotions you need to pack up and take home with you today. Emotions make connected relationships meaningful. But uncontrolled emotions make connected relationships miserable. The same emotions can make your relationship good, but out of control, they make it bad. So how do you begin to control your emotions? Well, that takes us to point two today. Commit your emotions to God. Everybody say, commit your emotions to God. Listen to how our scripture text continues in verse 19. Leave room for God's wrath. In other words, the Bible comes in and says, when you want to control your emotions, commit them to God and make room for God. Leave it to God. 
Trust him. Give your emotions to him. Don't handle it yourself. For the truth is unforgiveness shuts God out and God won't sort it out when you shut him out. Turn your notes over to page two and ask yourself, how should I commit my emotion to God? Let's understand exactly what that means. First of all, when you commit your emotion to God, it does not mean that you stifle it inside. Some of us think that in order to please God, we have to pretend and ignore our feelings and stuff them inside and control them. But that's not what God is saying. Listen to what David said in Psalm 39. I kept very quiet but I became even more upset. I became very angry inside. And as I thought about it, my anger burned. And here's what David is telling us. If you stifle your emotion and keep them inside and put a smile on your face and pretend that you're not angry, it only increases the anger. The anger continues to increase and you become very angry and your anger burns. Hey. That's why you'll see some people, very calm, very placid, very phlegmatic, always smiling. Nothing bothers them. But one day, one day, something small happens and suddenly it's nuclear holocaust. Hey! They start screaming. They start shouting. You always, you always, you always. No, you always stifled your emotions and now you're exploding like a nuclear bomb. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Because you stuffed it inside and that's not helping you. This is a recipe for disaster. Listen to how David continues. When I kept it all inside, mm, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. So God's not asking you to stifle your emotions. He's asking you to examine your emotions and consider the factors that contribute to how you feel. For when you do, you'll discover that your feelings often have a root in a past hurt. But the fact is all of us have past hurts in our lives that are just as real as physical wounds. When I was two years old, a little handsome little boy in Coronado Island, California, one day, sun was out. I went outside in front of my family house. My two older sisters were there. Two years old, I was standing on the sidewalk in front of my house. When someone came with a bicycle, either his brakes failed or he was a madman out to kill me. I don't know. But the young man tried to stop his bicycle, but he hit me, knocked me over, and when he stopped the bicycle, the tire of the bicycle landed on my nose. In fact, yeah, it was painful. In fact, my nose went in inside my head. My mother said you could put your hand flat from one cheek to the other. I had no nose. Hey! She picked me up and rushed me to the hospital. It was painful. I'm sure I was shouting and crying. Then she said as we were waiting to see the doctor, all of a sudden my nose popped out. That's why my nose is so handsome. It's been, it's been reborn. Amen. Resurrected. New nose. It's a true story. The funny thing is, even though that was so painful, even though that wound could have killed me, I don't remember the pain. If my mother had not told me, I wouldn't even remember it happened. A physical wound that was so painful I must have been screaming, I don't remember. 
but I remember the wound of what someone said to me when I was in JSS. I remember the wound of what my father said to me when I was 13 years old. I remember the wounds of people's responses to me, and it hurt me internally. See, there are two types of wounds in our life, physical and emotional. Many of us have physical scars from an accident or a, a surgery or, or something that happened, a bicycle ran over your nose. I don't know. But we also all have internal wounds. They're just as real. They're hidden hurts. Hidden hurts are the memories, the resentments, the insults we've all suffered. Memories of abandonment of criticism, of rejection, of betrayal, of prejudice. And even though we don't see those wounds, they are there, and we see the result of the wounds. Because here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. What you resent, you will eventually resemble. And oftentimes when we trace the root to our emotions, we can trace it back to a hurt that we resent. And suddenly, as we allow that resentment to thought fester, we become like the person who mistreated us. Anger, insecurity, fear, even envy and greed, these are often signs of wounds from the past. And when the wound turns to resentment, you start to resemble the person who hurt you. The consequences of the wound come out in your action. Complications from past wounds complicate current relationships. Our behavior and our relationships are impacted by something that happened long ago. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Hurt hinders clear thinking. When you don't heal the hurt, it prevents you from thinking properly. That's what David said in Psalm 73, 21 to 22. When my thoughts were bitter and my feelings were hurt, everybody say hurt, I was as stupid as an animal. Hey, David, I did not understand you. David allowed hurt and thoughts and memories of abandonment to affect him, and it destroyed his ability to think. And when you allow hurt to rule your life, you don't think properly. You say things you shouldn't say. You do things you shouldn't do. And rather than resolving the problem, you'll see relationships destroyed, and you will regret when hurt hinders clear thinking. That's the lesson we can learn from a couple named Ashley and Mike Morell. Back in 2017, Mike and Ashley Morell were happily married. They'd been married for seven years. They had twin children, and they both had good jobs. Their marriage was stable, and everything seemed to be going well. But in 2017, Ashley started noticing that Mike was working extra hours. In fact, it became so bad, he was gone so often, she began to get worried, and then she became angry, and she became frustrated with him. And one night when Mike was gone for such a long time, she was blowing up and boiling inside. One night, Mike came home late after working a 16-hour shift, and Ashley blew up. The couple got into a heated argument when neither side would take responsibility. Ashley demanded that Mike sleep on the couch in the parlor. She stormed off to the bedroom and slammed the door, went to bed. 
But when she got up in the morning, she went out into the parlor and noticed that Mike was still laying in the same position where she left him the night before. And she got a little bit closer and began to get concerned because it looked as if he hadn't moved at all. And so Ashley went over and touched Mike's body and it was cold. And she rolled him over and discovered that Mike Morell had died in the night with her angry words ringing in her ears. And suddenly Mike was gone. The children had lost their father. Ashley was feeling guilty that her husband died with their heated argument as the last thing in his mind. And to make matters worse, after Mike died, Ashley got a hold of the finances and discovered why Mike had been working so hard. She discovered that he was not cheating on her. He was not betraying her. He was not abandoning her. But Mike had been working extra hours to make extra cash because he was planning to take her and the children on a dream vacation. He was trying to get extra money and surprise her with a dream trip with him and her and the kids. But Ashley's hurt hindered clear thinking. And Mike Morell died alone. Don't allow hurt feelings to control your response. Let God control your response. That's why the Bible tells us in Job 11, commit yourself to God completely, body, soul, and spirit. Commit your emotions to God. Reach out your hands to him for help. You can reach out to God today and commit your anger to God, and he will help you. Get rid of all the sin you have. Don't let anything that is evil stay in your tent. Then, free of those things, you can face others. Once you've dealt with how you feel, you can face others. Once God has taken control of your emotions, you can face others. You can stand firm without being afraid. You can be sure you will forget your troubles. They will be like water that has flown on by. Get rid of the sin. Deal with the hurt. Commit your emotions to God and you can face others. For the fact is peace begins when your demand for payment ends. So how can we get rid of the hurt? How can we bring it to God and stop demanding payment? That brings us to our third truth. Consider the reasons for other people's emotions. Listen to how our scripture text ends in verses 20 and 21. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Think about him. If he's thirsty, consider him. Give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And here's what God is telling us. Once you've controlled your emotions and decided not to take revenge, and you've committed your emotions to God and left everything to him, then God says, start to think about the other person. In this verse, it's saying, even if your enemy, even if you have an enemy, think about him. Is he hungry? Is he thirsty? What needs does he have because when you think about he or she feels and consider their emotions and put yourself in his shoes, it helps you to overcome the barriers to peace. 
That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of a man named Jamario Howard. In April 2019, Jamario and his two friends were dining at Brad's restaurant near their home in Oxford, Alabama, USA. As they were waiting for their food to come, Jamario, a young black man, noticed an old white woman sitting at a table by herself. He thought to himself, I would hate to be at a restaurant and have to eat by myself. In other words, he put himself in her shoes and thought, how must she be feeling? But Jamario didn't just consider her feelings. He got up and acted. So he got up from the table with his friends and went over to this old white woman and said, can I talk to you? Can I sit with you? And the woman said yes. And so the two strangers who'd never met began a conversation with one another. After a while, she told him that she had just lost her husband and that tomorrow they would have celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. Jamario felt compassion for this woman. She's old, he's young. She's white, he's black. She's a woman, he's a man. But consideration bridges gaps even between strangers. When you consider others, it removes barriers. So Jamario invited this old woman to come and join him and his friends. Here's their picture. Later, Jamario said this, the point in this is always be kind and be nice to people. You never know what they are going through. Everyone has a story, so do not judge. And if putting yourself in someone else's shoes could bridge the gap between strangers, if thinking about someone else's emotions could bring two strangers together, what can consideration do in your relationships, in your marriage? See, you have to understand that everybody around you has hurts. Everyone brings their past hurts into relationship. You do, your wife does, your husband does, your boss does, your coworkers do, and it helps you to realize that they also have hurt feelings that are impacting them. When you consider the emotions of other people, you'll realize that oftentimes people are not trying to hurt you. They are simply reacting out of their own hurt they receive from someone else. And here's the truth you need to put on your keychain and carry along with you. Hurt people hurt people. When you've been wounded and you don't heal it, you tend to express that to others by hurting them. When anyone is hurt, they lash out at others. It's not an excuse. Hurting people is always wrong. But when you put yourself in their shoes and think about their emotions, it helps you to understand. Their emotions are the way they treated you the way they did. It's not an excuse, but it is a reason. There's a difference between an excuse and a reason. A reason provides information about the conduct but does not justify the conduct. An excuse justifies the conduct. If you get an excuse duty from work, it means that you are permitted, you're excused, it's justifiable. If I'm on my way to work with my infamous Uber driver and suddenly he kidnaps me and ties me up and puts me somewhere and it takes me five hours to escape, I have a reason for not not coming to work. I was kidnapped. No be so. But if you go to Exhale Lounge, hello, and you smoke and drink all night, and you go home at 5 a.m., and you sleep all day, and you don't go to work, that's not an excuse. It's a reason, but not an excuse. Tell your neighbor it's a reason, but not an excuse. 
So understand, I'm not justifying anyone's action if they hurt you. It's not right to hurt someone. There's no excuse. But oftentimes, there is a reason. And when you consider the reason, it can help build communication and pull down barriers. Fathers with a wounded spirit wound their children. Your father did not reject you because you're not lovable. Your father did not reject you because you're not valuable. Your father did not insult you and criticize you and slap you around. He did not reject you because of something wrong with you. He rejected you because he was rejected. He was wounded by others. He was lonely and felt inadequate. All he ever knew was a father who beat him and insulted him, so he treated you the same way. Your father never encouraged you. He never spoke highly of you. He never showed you love. That's not right, and I'm sorry, and I pray that God, my father in heaven, will heal you today. It was wrong for your father to do that to you, but when you consider the reason, it can help you to be considerate. It can help you to understand. It can help you to forgive. It is not an excuse, but it is a reason. He didn't hate you. He didn't know how to love you. Your mother always complained about you. Nothing you ever did was good enough. Why did I give birth, she would say. And you feel condemned. You live in fear of failing. You feel inadequate. And you're angry with your mother. And I understand what she did was not right. There is no excuse. I pray that God will heal you. But when you consider the reason why, it can help you to be compassionate to her. It can help you to feed your enemy and give water to your your enemy because that's all she knew growing up. The only thing she ever heard was how worthless and unwanted and rejected she was. Your mother didn't hate you. She loved you, but she didn't know how to show it. It's not an excuse, but it's a reason. It doesn't make it right, but it does make sense. It doesn't change what was done to you, but it can change how you view what happened. It can affect your consideration so that you have different response to your emotions. For when you understand that hurt people hurt people, it can help you put yourself in their shoes and become less focused on your hurt and more focused on the truth. When you understand your parents wounded you because they were wounded, it can give you the determination to break the cycle of pain in your family. And I ask God today to raise up men and women in this church who will break the cycle of abuse, break the cycle of hurt, who will build happy families, loving families, supporting families, caring families. I pray that God will come and rescue our relationships and turn this information into determination to become better parents and better people. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. See, you can turn the hurt from the past into hope for the next generation. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 10, let us consider how we can stir up one another to love. Let us help one another to do good works. Let us encourage one another with words of hope. And when you sit and consider what was done to you, break the cycle of pain and bondage. Break the cycle and raise your children with consideration of how you can encourage them to love and to do good. For when you consider other people, you realize their rejection of you is not a reflection of you. When someone hurts you, it's not a reflection of your value. It's a reflection of their 
pain. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. The number one error we make during conflict in relationships is to assume motive. When someone does something we don't like, you don't love me. You don't care about me. You're not on my side. You're not helping me. But rather than consider the conflict as an attack on you, consider the conflict as an opportunity to communicate. Consider the conflict as an opportunity for change. For when you're committed to a relationship and when you're considerate of one another, you will live at peace. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 3, never let loyalty, loyalty is commitment, never let loyalty and kindness, that's consideration, never let commitment and consideration, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you'll earn a good reputation. To get to relationship rescue, you've got to go back to you. For Romans 12, 18 says, as far as it depends on you. So let me ask you today, can you go any farther? Can you forgive more? Can you love more? Can you understand more? Is there something more you can do to rescue the relationship? You can begin right now by getting into God's presence and asking his love to wash you. You can get into God's presence and say, say, Lord, heal my broken heart. Deliver me from the wounds of the past. Help me not to react out of my past hurts, but help me to consider others as I commit my ways to you. That's what the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Peace is possible for you when you've done all that you can do. Do all you can and let God do the rest. Do all you can by coming and receiving his love, letting him heal you, wash you, transform you. Would you join me right now as we bow our heads and pray? Almighty and everlasting Father, I ask you to come and move upon your people right now. I pray, Lord, that you'll touch us, heal us from the past wounds, words that were spoken, actions that were committed against us that have pained us, and brought us to a place that complicate our present relationships. I pray, oh Lord, that you come upon us today and help us to control our emotions. I renounce every evil word spoken against every life here in Jesus' name. I renounce every negative word spoken against every life here in Jesus' name. And I receive every word from God spoken in love from our Heavenly Father about us. Wash us by your Spirit. Remove the accusations, the lies, the deception. Let us be at peace in our hearts so that we can do all we can to be at peace with others. In Jesus' name. Would you just repeat this after me? I am loved by God. I am created by God 
in his image. I have everything I need to fulfill my destiny. So Lord, I commit my emotions to you. Cleanse me. Forgive me for losing control. Wash me. Renew me. Fill me. Heal me. Rescue me. Rescue me. Rescue my relationships. Rescue my relationships. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.